Welcome to From the Bleachers, the only podcast that recognizes Real Housewives as a sport in which the women are competing for additional seasons of play and social media fame. Today, we are analyzing the plays made in season four, episode 13 of Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. I'm Sandra. And I am Mandy. Bermuda views and bathtub views. That's what we've got coming your way. I think you got that backwards. Bermuda views and bathtub blues. Blues. You know what? On my notes, I wrote views <laughs> twice. So okay. we have Bermuda views and bathtub views. We did which get we some did. views of the bathtubs as well. <laughs> we did. We did. But I need to fix that in my notes because God forbid my notes should be incorrect. All right. This was quite a sort of, um, I thought of it as kind of a machine gun episode. It was just like, just like coming at you nonstop in this episode. It was like, as I was taking notes, I was like, okay, we're past the big, like confrontation play part of the episode. And now we can chill. And then it was like, nope, there's more. Nope. Nope. There's still more, (laughs) but wait. And yet there's still even more. Yeah. It's a lot. So we should probably get started because this might be a two hour episode. This might other okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna try and keep my recap to the essentials. We'll see how well I do there. So, uh, a recap recap. We had Pioneer Day where we got to see a goat and hear the Bermuda announcement. We got to see Monica's Bermuda apology that happened at Meredith's event. We got to see a little bit of Monica's apology to Lisa, and then we got to see. Whitney and Lisa's fight at Meredith's event, which was sort of our big confrontation play of the last episode. And that sets us up for what's going to be happening today. We've got Sandra's favorite little choir music pops coming in there. I know how you love that settling you into your Salt Lake City moment. The music's so great. And you'll see when you watch the other, when you watch the other locations that they just don't have it together on the other seasons. There isn't that same like mood setting that you get in Salt Lake City. That's just amazing. I am spoiled then. I am spoiled. That's like learning how to scuba dive in not the Caribbean, but Bermuda because Bermuda is not part of the Caribbean. Anyway, not to throw shade I'm not, on I'm not the familiar Salt Lake Tribune with the, article. With tropical things. <laughs> so we start out at Heather's um, and we sort of have between Heather and Meredith and Angie and Whitney, we're sort of seeing the different levels. Um, and of course, Monica, we're seeing the different levels of packing OCD. And we start with Heather, who's very low on the OCD packing scale. Uh, she's just throwing her shit into a, into a suitcase, <laughs> including her Versace bathing suit. And she called Monica and the music stops. We have like this kind of fun little music. And then it sort of stops with this sort of like, Whoa, as we see Monica with a bleaching mustache on her upper lip and these gold under eye mask pieces. So we're getting a lot of my favorite behind the scenes stuff here. Yes. I appreciate Monica so much for being real about this and like what it takes to like, look the way they do on camera. Thank you, Monica, for bringing that, that side of things to light. Right. Right. And for making it all very real. I think in this episode also, both she and surprisingly Meredith have a lot of sort of low to no makeup moments where they really just are look like real human beings. And I I think audience members probably enjoy that almost as much as we enjoy when they look like glam team people. Yes. It's authenticity play. I love it. Authenticity play. 
Then we go to Meredith and she's got sort of a rack like she lives in a department store with some clothes on it. I'm sure somebody wheeled that in for her, for her to look at different options. And her son Brooks is on her bed, just rolling his face in his bright pink lipstick and then ignoring her entirely. Then we've got Angie, who's got an extraordinarily organized type A closet, a little bit of show me the money with all her shoes, et cetera. She grabs some things. She tries her little blush pink fluffy bag on her dog, Celia. Um, not sure how the SPCA would feel about that. So then we've got Whitney. Um, we don't know it's Whitney. What we know at first is that Heather's book is being tossed into a bag to be packed. And I'm sure finally read on the plane. It turns out to be Whitney, who has what looks like a normal human's closet, but on steroids because it's so huge and there are tons of clothes. But it, it's not like overly organized or anything. And then Whitney just is sort of talking about not having the energy to shop for this. And we we have to remember that she's pretty sad because she just lost her best friend very recently. And Justin asks if she's okay, if this is the trip that she really wants to be on. She says, you know, I was excited to go out of the country with friends, but now I'm irritated with Lisa. I'm always there for her and she's blown me off. So that's it for our packing montage. Now we have our arrival at the airport at 6 a.m. montage. And they're rolling in with... I don't know how long this trip is, but that's more luggage than I've <laughs> ever taken on a trip. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure they each have like one suitcase that's all shoes, probably two suitcases of clothing, probably one suitcase that's all makeup. It is true that shoes really do jam up the space in a yes. suitcase. So I guess I get that. So we learned from Whitney in an ITM. She hasn't talked to Lisa since the event and she doesn't really want to. We learned that Angie had a zit on her forehead. And in order to cover up that patch and even out where it is, she now has three little diamond blings on her forehead. We get a comic montage of ITMs about pirates and finding Lisa's lost ring and Meredith worrying she'll never be seen again. The plane takes off. Then we have beautiful scenes of Bermuda. It's tropical. It's lovely. The ocean. I just want to be there as I look out at our gray Bend, <laughs> Oregon, snowy day. So, we get the first video of someone sleeping during our transportations here, and that's courtesy of Heather, and it's Meredith Marks. So that's a cute little moment. And we meet Jonathan, the poor fellow who doesn't realize that he is in for a lot of anger in a van. Yes. John, the bus driver, who has I, he, to He goes list- by Jonathan. <laughs> Jonathan, the bus driver who has to listen to the women's confrontation play, who has to survive the anger in a van that's coming up and who gives us some, a couple of great face play shots was my bystander bystander of the week. week. Very nice. I approve of that. That's a great bystander of the week. Meredith is not well. She is very cold. And Whitney ITMs that she is not sure if it was all the drinks or if it was the sleeping pill on the first flight. We all took the same one, but Meredith took it twice on accident. She gives it little air quotes. So <laughs> the air quotes. Little bit of <laughs> I was wondering, snark are, on that. When you are using your fingers, is that face play or is that like... Is that body play? play? Body play. I don't know. But I, I don't know. It. There was a lot of it this episode and I was really loving it. And I would just like to say that Meredith is starting right now to set up her IFI, her injury, fear, or illness play. 
and it starts with feeling cold and it kind of, you know, develops from there. But this IFI where she's like freezing cold in the van, um, it leads to her bathtub confrontation play later and the anger in a van scene. And she really continues her IFI, IFI as we'll see through the entire episode and stays committed to it, giving us other dramatic shots and scenes was my play, play of, the, of game. the game. Wow. Early, early. That's an is early play early. of the game. And I didn't, couldn't, I didn't know coming in when I, when she first started it, that it was going to be my play of the game. But after I looked at the whole episode and I saw that we would not have had the episode we had without this IFI, I thought it deserved the play of the game. Well, I, I had similar thoughts and I debated whether that was going to be my play of the game or even maybe my uh, MVP, just because it really does set up so much of the episode. And then as we'll see at the end, she provides some other really great material that sort of clinches the end of this day one on Bermuda, um, sort of on her terms. But we'll just see how that all rolls out <laughs> on my scorecard. All right. One of the more exciting things that we learn on this ride is that the sand is pink because parrotfish eat the rocks and shit out pink. Lovely. I looked that up because I was like, is this guy like, is Jonathan the is bus driver just playing with them? And the first things I came up with were like, didn't say anything about birds pooping. They were like, oh, there's these little skeletal sea creatures whose, whose skeletons are red. And then when they break up, they like go into the sand. But then I read deeper into one article and it said, also the the birds, it wasn't seagulls or something else. Some no, other it's kind parrot of bird. fish. Oh, it's parrot. not a bird. It's a fish. Oh, I thought it was a bird. Okay, well, whatever. No, par- <laughs> okay. Sandra, clearly we need to take you on a tropical vacation where we can show you parrotfish. Well, I maybe I just saw the word parrot and I thought it was a bird. In any case, <laughs> so- <laughs> something is eating things and pooping out uh, pink poop. And so that combines with the red skeleton stuff and then it creates the pink beaches. So Jonathan was correct. There- and uh, this is another reason why he was my bystander of the week. And I'm going to give you researcher of the week, even though you researched (laughs) researched species of animal. (laughs) Thank you. I accept. All right. We arrive at the house. Everyone is so excited and compliments Heather on finding such a lovely place. Alcohol is immediately thrust into their faces and it's the local drink with rum, a dark and stormy. The house on the beach is absolutely gorgeous. I will Mm. say. Mm. Monica ITMs. It's an actual fucking mansion. You could fit 700 of my houses. <laughs> and there's a fun little edit where they show her house kind of fit in there 700 times. I love that. And I wanted to mention, uh, because we are, we may not have mentioned yet on the podcast, heavily inspired by Game of Roses, who recaps uh, Bachelor and Bachelorette as a sport. And they call these moments in Bachelor and Bachelorette where everyone gets really excited about the place they're going. They call it an, I love Cleveland because no matter where they're going, they always make them get shots of like everyone being like really excited about where we're going. And there was one season (laughs) where they were like, and you guys are going to Cleveland. And everyone was like, Oh my God, we're going to Cleveland. (laughs) So they call it the, I love Cleveland. It doesn't really apply in housewives because they generally do go to pretty amazing glamorous places that are worth getting excited about. But I thought it was worth mentioning because a lot of times, or maybe every time production 
secures these places and they get to stay there for free because they are advertising for these places and showing shots of it on screen. And so they have to all do these like excited, I'm so excited. This place is so great. Um, and it doesn't always play well because sometimes they're not that excited about it because maybe their house at home is better. It's possible. <laughs> it's possible. But I call this HGTV house porn. This was lovely. And they get a tour of all the rooms. Um, they show us all these bedrooms with their beautiful balconies and their beautiful views. And the decor is very classy. It's not overdone. And then we have, I don't know what we're going to call this. Um, I thought of it as sort of a Oklahoma Sooner style land grab. Like, do you know that's why the Oklahoma is called the Sooners? <laughs> Oh, it's I for the that. people. It's for the people. Okay. So we had the Oklahoma land grab in 1889. Yeah. Okay. I know listener, this is a lot of recap because you are totally down <laughs> with all like of this fourth history. Grade history or whatever. Yeah. You know this. <laughs> so the people um, all lined up just like in the movie with Nicole Kidman and Tom Cruise, they all line up to go and run and grab their plot of land stolen from the indigenous peoples that they're going to make their own. And the ones who cheated, who got there sooner because they <laughs> sort of like camped out past the line, that's what they were called, were the Sooners. And so that's why University of Oklahoma is called the Sooners. They're named I after people I know that. Cheat. And I think though that is an excellent term to describe the frenzy that occurs whenever housewives go on a cast trip when they're trying to pick rooms. The yes. Oklahoma yes. Sooners- um, this is a sooner, uh, a sooner okay. land grab. Okay. Sooner. There you go. A sooner, a land, sooner grab. land grab. I, love I don't it. know. So it's yeah. Perfect. Heather says to go and stake your claim. The other one I was thinking of was like room with a view by EM Forrester. That's <laughs> a little, a little bit of a left turn into, you know, high stuffy literature. So probably not that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You're um, about. Not a sports analogy at all. It's a great movie. Helena Bonham Carter, Maggie Smith. You should watch it. Anyway, I Heather says land grab. I'm going with it. Heather says, go and stake your claim. The women all race off in our sooner land grab, except for Meredith Marks, who is not well, who is IFI planet. And she says in her ITM, like, seriously, I'm bundled up. I'm a mess. Just give me a room with a bathtub. Monica chooses her room. And this is the start of the, the room choosing montage. And they do, the editors do this great little thing where they pop up little icons of like Monica's room and we see it has mm -hmm. AC. We see an icon for ocean view and we see an icon for bathtub. Yes. Then we see Heather's room. Ditto. She's got AC ocean view bathtub. Meredith wanders into a room and both Heather and Lisa are like, Oh, sorry, that's Lisa's room. And we see it has the three coveted icons and then there's a couple ladies in the last room and Angie's like, oh, this is, it's a really pretty room. Oh, but Meredith wants a tub. And the music makes this kind of like, oh, <laughs> sad low tone. And the icons are AC, obstructed view, shower, no bathtub. So we've set up this whole edge of her conflict. Then we switch to laying out the food and champagne. So Meredith doesn't want to eat. She's not feeling well. Whitney asks what room she is and whichever one is without a bathtub. <laughs> sniff, sniff. And it's also where I realize that Meredith is wearing huge bell-bottom jeans. And mm -hmm. I have to stop for a moment because if you have ever traveled on an airplane in bell-bottom jeans, then you know that they have touched the bottom of the airplane mm. bathroom floor. 
I specifically do not wear loose, flowy, wide-legged pants on airplanes for that reason. I know they're very comfortable, but it's just, it kind of skeeves me out. So I was a little surprised by that. But maybe she didn't use the bathroom because she was passed out the whole time. So Heather watches her go away. And there's the little comic ITM. The trip is ruined. Meredith doesn't have a bathtub. Let's pack up, kids. We're all going home. And the camera trails Meredith sadly to a room. The door closes. I am starting to feel a little ick in this episode. And mm. it will develop a little bit more. And it's sort of about Whitney and how subdued she is. And it just, I'm like, I'm worried about her as a human in this episode. Like, has she been taking meds in order to handle- Whitney or Meredith? Whitney. Okay. Whitney is really subdued. And, and, and we'll talk about it at the dinner scene too. There's something going on. But I just feel like in this whole episode, she seems like zonked, kind of drugged out. And I was like, and I wonder if like just being on this trip after Sherry's death, if she's like mm. taking some kind of an antidepressant or something that's interacting with all the alcohol that keeps getting shoved at them and the sleeping pills. And I don't know. Mandy, are you starting rumors? I am not <laughs> starting rumors. Rumors. Nasty rumors. <laughs> no, I'm I am just saying there's a little bit of ick and a little concern that this show is causing her to do do something that's like not healthy for her as a human. I, I mean, like we've seen her since on social media and, and ITMs and she's fine. But like in this moment, I was like, Ew. Mm. it's a lot to go on a trip like this and keep, keep going full force when you're grieving. Yeah. So we cut to commercial. We come back from commercial and we are back at the estate. Um, we get those beautiful shots of Bermuda, beautiful shots of the estate they're staying at. They're making themselves plates of food to take to various places around the estate to eat. Lisa and Heather are eating at a table on the patio, talking about whether tomatoes belong on a fruit skewer. They do not. And did you notice Heather has on like, like she got to go visit the pilots up in the cockpit. She's got on like oh. little airplane wings on her shirt. <laughs> Monica says she's going to go check on Meredith. Angie and Whitney go down to the water to chat. And Whitney says that she sent Lisa a text and Lisa never responded to her. Whitney feels like it took her years to break through to Lisa and that she be, and that she, Whitney became a pivotal person in Lisa's life and that Whitney caused Lisa to become a better version of herself. But right now, Whitney is not happy with her and all that is out the door. And then we cut back to Heather and Lisa eating up at the estate patio. And Heather tells Lisa that Whitney is claiming partial responsibility for Lisa's transformation and her ability to be more intuitive and be less of a me monster, which is a, uh, I got to credit that to my friend, Candace, shout out Candace, who lives here in Bend and has just started watching Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. She's been a Housewives fan, but she's never done Salt Lake City. And she You've was texting pulled her me. into this pit. <laughs> yes, I have. She was texting me her impressions. And she said, Lisa is such a me monster. <laughs> now that's, I will just have to use that going forward. Lisa is shocked to hear this. She says, wait, what are you talking about? Heather says, Whitney thinks Lisa is becoming a better person because of their friendship. And Heather says, you don't feel like that? I just felt so fire stoking. Is that, I have a lot of posture. Yes. 
lunchtime pot stirring. Oh, you don't feel like that? Hmm. And uh, Lisa ITMs, give a girl a crystal. And the next thing you know, she's the Dalai Lama. She says, Whitney Which, is not the Messiah. She's not Jesus. And she's not Tony Robbins. I don't remember the Dalai Lama having a lot of crystals. Like, I don't think that's kind of a Buddhist <laughs> thing. I think but, anything like spiritual that's not <laughs> Mormonism or like her religion to Lisa must be like out there and must be crystals. I like how you have basically just distinguished Mormonism from her religion. <laughs> you, you set those in slightly different categories. <laughs> she says she enjoys her friendship with Whitney, but she doesn't feel like she's a better person because of Whitney Rose. Only God, her husband, her kids, and Jesus can do that. And then we are upstairs. Monica is eating in Meredith's room to keep her company and I love this. Monica's very motherly in this scene. She has turned the heat up in Meredith's room for her. She's like drawing the curtains or closing the curtains, depending on what Meredith needs. And she asks Meredith how she's feeling about the bathtub situation. And Meredith says her feelings are hurt that no one made sure that she got a room with a tub. She ITMs if one of the other women were not feeling well and was a bathtub lover like her she would make sure that they had what they needed. And Meredith says it shows a lack of that res- shows the level of respect that she has for the women right now. And she goes through this strenuous effort through her IFI to pull her hand out of the covers and hold up a big fat zero. Monica leaves Meredith to rest and goes back down to join Heather and Lisa on the patio. And Monica updates Lisa and Heather on Meredith's IFI status They ask if she swaddled her and she says, actually, yes, she did. Monica tells them that Meredith called everyone in the group selfish for not helping her out with a bathtub. Lisa says, I'm not selfish. And each woman (laughs) takes their turns and their ITMs explaining why they didn't want to give their bathtub up. They're very, shall we say, self related reasons for not giving their bathtub up. (laughs) Heather uses her bathtub as a hamper. Lisa didn't want to give up her view. I don't think Monica had a reason. She just said she didn't want to. Anyway, these are all maybe not selfless reasons. We'll just say that. No, I I would say that they, yeah, they're not, they're not showing themselves as really good people in this moment. (laughs) Either that, or they really don't think Meredith is that sick, but Either way, it did seem to me like, wow, yeah, I would give up my room with a view and take the obstructed view for someone who was feeling like that. At the very least, would you like to take a bath in my bathtub? Oh, there you go. Let me move my dirty clothes (laughs) so you can bathe here. Let me get back afterward, but yeah. Yeah. And the closet floor is where you put your dirty clothes. (laughs) You don't need to put them in the bathtub. So then- They change the subject. Monica reminds us that she has family in Bermuda from her mom's side. And then we're back on the beach with Whitney and Angie and they're running towards the ocean to catch a fish. Whitney slips and falls in the water. And from up on the patio, Heather yells, shark, get out. But um, it doesn't seem like they hear her because (laughs) she's just like, like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, we're down here. Yeah. And Whitney, um, that's another like Whitney running into the water and slipping like that is another Mm. little He's have evidence that like, she is not like, she doesn't seem balanced mm. in her body right now. Jet lag, know. jet lag. 
We've got jet lag. We've got pills. We've got alcohol. Like we're I just love how really they all just pop pills. Like it's nothing like, oh yeah, we all yeah. took the Xanax before the flight. We all took some. Yeah. And I'm like, because that's not a sleeping normal. pill. That's not a sleeping pill. That's like, that's a benzo. I think, I don't know. That's what Heather said. Heather told me it was a benzo. So I believe her. <laughs> so then a bit of time has passed. We see that Whitney looks like she just got out of the shower we see a brief text exchange between Meredith and a producer. I love how it just says producer. Producer. <laughs> producer, how are you? And Meredith says, still not good or something. And um, I love that this her IFI has now earned her like a tiny little bravo, bravo, bravo moment, uh, which are a bravo, bravo, bravo moment uh, for those who are new to our very young podcast is when the fourth wall gets broken and it's named after Denise Richards' yelling bravo 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 in um real real housewives of beverly hills whenever she doesn't want something to be put on air yes, when she doesn't and want it doesn't it work it, and it doesn't work they break the fourth wall <laughs> Which monica i love yes monica facetimes her daughter brie to show her her room and view she itms that her bermuda memories are all from a time when her family was genuinely happy together and she says that although she and Vovo are not on great terms right now, Vovo is helping her meet up and organize things with her family, which is nice. I thought that was nice too, because yeah. I I miss Vovo. This is my second no <laughs> Vovo episode, and I'm really having Vovo withdrawals. And maybe I just want to keep saying Vovo. <laughs> the music picks up and we see a health professional of some sort with a bright orange backpack enter Meredith's room and shut the door. And I love the drama over what is probably just your run-of-the-mill concierge doctor doing house visits. Yes, but they do a nice job with it. Um, And they do. They use her closed door a lot as if like, behind this door lies death. (laughs) Something crazy. It's really funny. So then we have, um, after the commercial break, we have these establishing shots of Bermuda again. And we go into Meredith's room. She's buried under her sheets. She's not great. Although our mobile medical man says, actually, your blood pressure is pretty good. And I think you're just a little dehydrated because maybe you were drinking alcohol and taking pills and then you flew. <laughs> oh, man. I don't know. Then we've got another little um, everyone getting ready montage. We see people doing their makeup and their hair. It's kind of a little show me the money edit of all the women um, because Angie is showing Sean the view while Glam is working on her. Lisa is telling John how great the house is and she's sitting in a chair. Clearly she's about to get Glam because we all know Lisa doesn't go anywhere without Without Glam. glam. Yep. And then it cuts to, of course, Meredith in the bed with a mobile medic getting her IV. Just sort of a little, little how life looks for poor Meredith. Then we see someone setting up a bar on the beach and Heather's like, let's go corralling the women. Lisa helps. Angie has on this great multicolored dress that has like little swags, like kind of like little, like fancy curtains. um, I call it the multicolor parachute outfit. It looks the like a multicolored parachute. parachute. <laughs> I like, like one of those, you like... know, like rainbow parachutes that kids play with. And they're like, yeah, they like, uh, I'm doing motion with my arms that I know people can't see. <laughs> they like lift it up and down and then go underneath it. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. And I would have called that my fashion play of the game, but I didn't like the skirt. So Heather ITMs that there's also an educational aspect to this trip. We are learning, we're going to get some history and some culture. We're going to let Monica connect with her heritage. Bermuda is famous for their rum. So our first cultural experience will be 
hanging. Everyone is there except Whitney, who gets a TFP, a tardy oh. for the party. You're right. She gets so, a TFP. She got a big TFP. It was brought up repeatedly. Where's Whitney? Where's Whitney? So we learn they're going to have this drink named after Flora Duffy, who is a Bermudian Olympian, and it's called the Golden Girl. And I noticed Monica had very nice manners. She was like very grateful and said, thank you very nicely mm-hmm. to the bartender. And she also ITMs that she just started drinking in her thirties when she was excommunicated. So she's having a good time. Yeah. She picked a good crowd to learn how to drink with, I guess. I, know. I had not like, <laughs> thought of that before, but yeah, I guess if you, you know, are in the Mormon church and you're following the rules, as I assume many or most Mormons do, and then you leave like that, that you'd have to learn how to know your limit and everything at a much older age. And that's, that would be a very interesting process. Yeah. Hopefully it would go a little bit better than learning your limit at like between 16 and 22. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Same with coffee. I guess she gets to learn all about coffee. Whitney shows up in her orange two piece that Justin brought to her back in the beginning. And oddly enough, Monica says she looks like a parking cone, which is funny because Monica's wearing pretty much the exact same color, but not dress. as triangular. I like guess so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just, I, I, I purely went on color and thought that was an odd comment. It seemed like Lisa was trying to get in a dig at Whitney here because when they're telling Whitney about the, the, drink. Lisa starts talking about, oh yeah, this woman excels at everything, especially in betterment. She was her best self. So Lisa's like kind of digging in a little bit there, but it it doesn't get caught up. Uh, Everyone asks where Meredith is. Heather says she's hooked up to an IV and we get a flashback to 30 minutes ago where Heather goes into Meredith's room, asks the mobile medic, like what's going on? And she seems totally shocked. And the medic's like, yeah, she's just a little dehydrated. And Heather's like, cool. I know you can rally. You're tough. Peace out. And she's like, takes off. And Meredith is still kind like, this is a little bit of milking. You're like, thanks, Heather. <laughs> like for your complete lack of concern. Yeah, I know. Heather's definitely where like, you get a picture painted of Heather though. Like that's why Heather is where she is in life. Like there's no time to feel sick. There's no time to stop and think about being tired. You just keep going. You just push, push through. I feel like that's yeah. the kind of personality type that can build a successful business like she's doing with Beauty Lab. I mean, that exactly. and the investment money that she has, but you got you to have grit too. <laughs> you got to have grit. And when you think about the travel and the jet lag and how it's affecting these different women, mm-hmm. Heather is just like, she's just going, like she doesn't yeah. seem taken out by it at all. And maybe she, you know, there are those people who can just get by without a lot of sleep. Maybe she's just like one of those people. Yeah. I feel like that's part of what makes her a good player too. It's like, these are grueling filming schedules and you have to like get on for so many hours. And she's just like, I'm good. She's always on. Yeah. Yeah. It's impressive. I don't think I would be able to do that. No, I would definitely Um, not be able to. I'd be in tears constantly all the time. IFI. You'd be getting a lot of great (laughs) IFI. I'd be like the tear play, like (laughs) IFI one. Yes. Uh, Lisa IDMs that Meredith is so good at churning butter because she really knows how to milk things. And Lisa gives a satisfied little smile. I'm like, this is, this is where my husband's um, grandmother would say, don't hurt your hand, patting yourself on the back, honey. Cause Lisa's clearly very proud of her little 
pun there. Yes. We cut to like Monica hollers out to Meredith. We cut to Meredith with her Ivy lying in bed, getting makeup applied and bringing up. She doesn't know what's going on other than that. She doesn't have a bathtub. This was so sad and yet kind of impressive. Like just like, I'm really sick, but just go ahead, put the makeup on me. Do you think that the producers wouldn't let any of the women switch bedrooms? Do you think like that the women probably like any of the women said like, oh, I'll just give her my bath. And like the producers were like, no, you're a conspiracy theorist now. (laughs) Put me on a Reddit thread. (laughs) I don't know. I believe, I believe that they were all just like, no, I don't want to go in my room, but I appreciate, I appreciate the conspiracy there. And I I appreciate the thinking about the producers and what role they play. Cause you never know. You just never know. Then everyone, it's time. It's it's my favorite hour of an away trip. It's time for anger in a van anger coming a up van. after a commercial. So we get a shot from outside as the van is driving through stormy weather. And then we go inside the van where another storm is a Bruin. Nice setup. Thank you. Meredith asks, who here has a room with a bathtub in it? And we get face play from Monica and Heather, both with their lips stretched out tight. And although there was so much good like face play in the van in general, and I had a really hard time choosing, I did decide to land on this one as my face play play of the game. The game. I just love the match, the matched face play between the two. Oh yeah, sure, sure. And so everyone in response to Meredith's question, um, we see hands go up like, well, there's a lot of people with bathtubs. Meredith says they all saw her white and sick and they knew she wanted a bathtub and they might have given her a room with a tub. Lisa says, so who was supposed to give up their room with a bathtub? Heather Moore face play with a lip bite. Meredith says she's not picking on anyone individually, but as a group, she doesn't feel respect. And this exemplified it. Just more weird words from <laughs> like exemplified. exemplified. I totally miss that. I totally miss that. I even had, I was like, I feel like Meredith's pretty good with words. So I was like, am I yeah. off here? Is there a word that was exemplified? That and I actually Googled it. But no, there's only exemplified. That is where when Lisa says, who's supposed to give her the bathtub? That was my face play of the game game. because I thought that that was the best one from Monica there. Okay. Monica had a lot of good stuff in the van. A lot of good stuff. She really did. She really did. Heather ITMs that they have a busy itinerary itinerary, and there's no time for a leisurely soak in the bath. And then we get a shot of Whitney leisurely soaking in the bath before the rum tasting, uh, which she was late to, but it gave her a TFP. So they start going back and forth about it. Angie implies that she couldn't have been that sick because on the tour, Meredith said that Heather lies on her back and spreads her legs. We get a shot from bystander from our, from my bystander of the week, Jonathan, the bus driver. And then we get a flashback from the producers to kind of like give us an explanation of this. And we see that Meredith, this was after Angie already said something about Heather needing the one with the two bathrooms so she could bring a man home. And then Meredith says the thing about the spreading the legs and that she was repeating what Angie said about her earlier in the season, that she spreads her legs outside of her marriage. 
Then Angie says, well, at least I didn't threaten your family, which of course Meredith immediately has to correct that it wasn't a threat. And Angie ITMs that she hadn't had a heartfelt apology from Meredith. And then we get a flashback to the quote unquote apology from a couple episodes ago that happened before the creation of our new apology rubric, but I'm certain that it was a zero or a negative pointer, which we call a faux apology. Rated it. Oh, you did? Did you not rate it? I did. Of course I did. It was a flashback. I don't know. (laughs) I know, but I I thought like, oh, this is from before the rubric, so we better rate it. Was the whole thing Uh, in there? The whole apology? Well, Meredith says, I'm sorry that that made you feel badly and hurt your feelings and upset you. So let's move on. So she gets a one for accountability because she said, sorry. Okay. Zero for being specific. She got a one for acknowledging the impact that made you feel badly, hurt your feelings and upset you. Got it. A zero, a zero for committing to fix a Mm -hmm. zero for the Mm check-in and then She got a negative one for a snarky tone and a Mm -hmm. negative two for a snarky face for a grand total of zero. Zero. I'm pulling (laughs) my hand out of the covers to give you a big fat zero (laughs) on that faux apology. So Uh, now they're going, Angie and Meredith are going back and forth about whether or not what Meredith said was a threat. Um, and the face play during this from Monica is just incredible. Like this is a yeah. face play package. I like that. A face play package. I <laughs> felt like, and that would be sort of the, the face play of the game would be anger in a van face play package. Yes. <laughs> Meredith ITMs. You get to a point where if you're accused of something over and over again, you may as well do it. Is that a dun, threat? Dun. Ultimately, they decide they need to sit down with each other one-on-one to hash things out. So we have that to look forward to. I think that was nice because that sort of um, sets up a little bit of their camaraderie at dinner. The fact that they Mm -hmm. said like, okay, yeah, let's have a sit down. They're ready. Um, They're ready to at least talk about it. Yeah. And that's kind of a pro move there, right? Like they're like, Mm -hmm. oh, here's an opportunity for us to get a little more uh, screen time. I mean, I'm ready for it though. It's, it's just been too. going, it's to the point where we're forgetting what happened in the beginning. And it's like, yeah. let's just, let's resolve this already. Yes. Let's move on to some bigger and better confrontation. Yes. And then we get one last shot of my bystander, Jonathan, the bus driver, before we end this anger in a van scene and move into dinner. We also saw the fashion error, I thought, is was Lisa's shoes. <laughs> Lisa's shoes do not go with those pants. No, they look like she's wearing like snow boots or crazy Uggs or something. They're not. I think there's some kind of maybe patent leather or something. And they look like they match the top really well. It just doesn't look good under those pants. So uh, do we have fashion errors? Because I thought we agreed that officially it even bad fashion is good fashion play. But this wasn't. This was just bad fashion. There's some line in there that maybe has drawn. I haven't found it, but maybe we'll find it. And honestly, if you were to see me now, listener, I'm not <laughs> one to be commenting on anyone's fashion. Well, I think you because, look wonderful. Oh, you're really sweet. Thank you. So they're seated at a table with a view over the water. Lisa is so hungry and wants to order. She wants to order bread. She wants to order Diet Coke. Um, but they order a plethora of food. I didn't hear bread or diet Coke in there. Angie asks, is everything good guys? 
when we know that it isn't Meredith says she was trying to express her feelings that she was hurt. And we get a bunch of one to two point apologies from the ladies. They're all basically saying, I'm sorry you were hurt. So I gave, you know, that's like one point kind of maybe a half point or a second point for saying what I gave a one and a half. Cause there was a one for accountability. Lisa said, I'm sorry you were hurt. It makes me feel bad. So I don't know, actually, we might yeah. need to deduct I don't that because it made her feel bad. And, you know, and <laughs> Heather just says, I'm sorry you were hurt. Yeah, um, I don't know. I would like to say that Angie did not win my fashion play of the game, but the waiter did. Oh, I did. I did not note the waiter. The waiters are all wearing um, and our particular waiter is wearing a dark blue blazer and a white shirt, Bermuda shorts high knee socks and loafers so he's got loafers and dark socks and lightish shorts and it's just (laughs) probably totally normal on bermuda as i thought it sounds like island fashion yeah (laughs) it is island fashion and it was my favorite fashion play okay so yeah we got we got a bunch of one to two point apologies from everyone And uh, Meredith seems good with these acknowledgements. That seems to be what she needed. Whitney says that in the spirit of wanting feelings acknowledged, she wants Lisa to know that she was upset leaving Meredith's event because she wanted her feelings over losing her friend acknowledged. Before we dive really far into this, this is where I, I kept watching over and over and trying to find a good view Whitney has some kind of, it looks like some kind of a weird blue green line coming from her chin up her jawbone and a little bit of her face. And I don't think it's the lighting because it's consistently there no matter how she moves her face. So I don't know. And this was something I was like, oh, did she fall? Did she bruise her face? Does she have a concussion? Like what is going on with Whitney? Like, is she injured here? Like, is this part of why she is acting so weird? eagle eyes. I did not notice that. So Lisa does not acknowledge the feelings, at least not right off the bat. Instead, she says she was on eggshells with Whitney. Whitney reiterates that she needed her feelings validated and that Lisa hurt her feelings. So then Lisa plays an apology. She says, okay, I am sorry that your feelings are hurt. And she goes on to say, you treated me shitty at Meredith's event. I'm not sure how much time passed between those things. There was kind of like a cut there, but I'm going to call this one a faux apology. She says, I'm sorry, but she doesn't really take accountability or say what she did to cause it because I'm, she's, I'm sorry that your feelings are hurt. It wasn't like, I'm sorry that I hurt your feelings or I'm sorry that I did this. It was like, I'm oh sorry yeah, that no, that's really good. Hurt. Yeah. And then she has a tone behind it too. And she goes on to like, give excuses. So this was like down in the negative points. Cause she had two negative points and then maybe one positive, maybe one and a half positive points. So I, I, she had one and a half positive on my rubric and then a negative two. So yeah, she wound up with a negative point five on mine. Okay. So we agree. Faux apology here, which we, if, if you missed it, we decided last episode an apology with a score of zero or lower on our apology rubric is a faux apology. Lisa ITMs that Whitney is looking for somebody to take her grief out on instead of grieve with her. Whitney says Lisa is making this about herself. She's accusing her of me monster play. 
Lisa says, I love it. <laughs> Lisa says, let's talk about that too. I guess you told Heather I'm self-absorbed and you're helping me be a better person. We get some face play from Monica here. Whitney says, what the fuck is that? And we break for commercial. That was such a great bomb that just got dropped. Mm -hmm. I I thought that was a great job, Lisa. Great job, Lisa. Not quite the play of the game, but a pretty good play of the game, which I actually didn't um, at the time mention what my play of the game is. So I guess I'll just drop it on y'all later. Uh I guess I could just tell you now. It was basically Heather was like, oh, stirring the pot. <laughs> Heather stirring the pot at lunch. So uh, basically, okay. that is my play of the game. Play of the game. Heather, so similar to Meredith sort of setting up a episode long mm. attention grab. Heather set up this hole by dropping that on Lisa at lunch. Oh, Whitney says that she is your new Dalai Lama and making you better. Mm -hmm. that was the play of the game so we come back from commercial and we have this moody sky scene of the moon behind the clouds so somebody's gonna walk the plank tonight (laughs) lisa we get like that little rewind let's talk about that i'm self-absorbed you're helping me be a better person we get a little flashback receipts to earlier in the episode and Heather is saying, you know, you're proud of her. Whitney Rose says, I am proud of her. Why are you meddling? And Heather, very dogmatic, like, how is that meddling? And Lisa's sort of like, why do I have to be a better person? It was really hard. The producers did a good job here of muting the mic of the people that they don't want us to hear. And Whitney (laughs) was saying something. And I really wanted to know what it was that Whitney was talking about. Because remember last week, we were sort of confused about there was some some issues between Heather and Whitney or Lisa and Heather. And I don't know what yeah, they were. We like missed something there. And I'm yeah. glad that you brought that up because I noticed the mic muting also because we're trying to take notes on what everyone's saying. And so when they when like one person is quiet, they, when one, they, when two people are talking over each other, they'll like quiet one person. And then you can only hear one. And I was just thinking like, well, obviously you have to do that. So you can hear what someone's saying, but that's a really great point. They get to choose who we hear and that can totally change the narrative. Exactly. And that I think um, was probably done a little bit here. Essentially, Whitney is accusing Heather accurately of spinning this and trying to get Lisa to be irritated with Whitney. I think that's a pretty good read on Whitney's part, even though she seems like she's locked out on drugs right now. Heather defends. How am I spinning it? Rumors. Said rumors, (laughs) nasty rumors. And Heather, you know, is like, how can I make Lisa be mad at you? You think I have control over her? Whitney does a good job of taking the narrative back and just mm-hmm. saying, look, the bottom line is that I needed you. And then we get Lisa going back to like, look, I feel like I'm on eggshells with you. I felt it that day. I felt it a week ago at your house. I feel like you're chastising me. I left because I was so upset from Meredith's event. But what you did to me at that event was so fucking bullshit, according to Lisa. And Whitney is like, what else do you do? And Lisa's like, you you make an accusation and then you walk away from me and, and tell me that like I'm trying to rub something in your face. 
And Whitney defends, I said you needed to be more self-aware and to read the room. So basically Lisa gives this whole like, look, you're a delicate flower. I am a bulldog. Every time I'm around you, I have to quiet myself because you basically can't handle it. (laughs) And Whitney asks a great question. Is that because you do it because you love me or because I can't handle it? And Lisa says, because I love you. I actually think that's another example of Lisa being not very good at understanding herself because I think Lisa is kind of a a sensitive flower herself. Maybe not quite as much of a sensitive flower as Whitney is, but Lisa gets her feelings hurt pretty easy too. So yeah. Yeah. Lisa doesn't want anyone speaking for her. She says she and Heather have reconciled their church issues and Whitney tries to join the fight there saying she was put in the middle of that. And Heather says, you brought yourself into the middle of that. And they're arguing, arguing, arguing. You know, we get this like Whitney, oh, well, hell fucking no. And then we have this little brief breakout session where the editors take us over to Angie and Meredith and they say, at least it's not us. And, um, and they cheers to that, which is really cute. Loved that moment. There's so much confrontation play going on this episode. It was just crazy. We needed that little moment to break the tension. Um, but I was just noticing, I was noting in this moment also, like everyone's bringing it, like everybody's involved in some sort of confrontation, you know, it's like Angie and Meredith. Lisa and Whitney, Heather and Whitney. The only person who's not involved in yep. any confrontation play this episode is Monica, which is wild. It is wild. And I really, I noticed when they first sat down the seating too, the way everyone was sat and we had, we had Monica next to Whitney, next to Angie and Angie is facing Meredith who is next to Lisa, who is next to Heather So you've got Lisa and Whitney in the center directly across from each other. So it's kind of nice having just six women in this season because they're really able to to do a lot of creative stuff like that when two people with the problem are forced to sit with each other. Yes. We go back to Whitney saying like, look, this is between you and I and that Heather, like to Lisa, she is saying that Heather is always triggered when you and I hang out together. And Heather is like, what the fuck? You don't know shit about me. Lisa doesn't have a journey. She's Mormon 2.0. For you to even sit there. And that's where Whitney cuts her off and says, Heather, shut the fuck up. And there's kind of a nice general stunned silence there. And Heather is, of course, very pissed off about this. So this then becomes good confrontation play for Heather to get really involved in this fight. But that was also, I think, one of Whitney's many errors, not quite the biggest one she's about to make. But and then I had a little note here that like I'm I'm confused and confounded by their arguments. And I'm glad that they are, too. Maybe all reason got lost in the Bermuda Triangle. Um, so that's kind of how I felt about this dinner in general. <laughs> Whitney says to Lisa that she was hurt that Lisa didn't respond to her. And after the last year, she's used to Lisa being the one that comforts her. Heather snorts because that is so absurd. And we've got more of Heather's wonderful comic narrator ITMs um, about this delusional version of their friendship. Lisa says, I did try to console you, Whitney, very self-aware. At that time, I was not receptive. Basically, Whitney is 
she, she comes to this point where she just says like, look, moving forward, just don't ignore me. Even if it's just for you to tell me to fuck off. And Heather says like, oh yeah, you can just tell her to shut the fuck up right in her face. And when he's like, yeah, exactly. And she moves to cheers with Heather and Heather's like, I'm not cheersing you. Yeah, Heather's what, what is wrong with you? Heather is pissed and I get it. And this is where actually Whitney does sort of drop this giant error where she says, you have no idea what our friendship's about. And if you did, you would all be triggered and try to ruin it. Yeah, that was the end. Entire- an incredible statement. It was an amazing statement and it makes Lisa kind of laugh. It's like clearly Lisa's embarrassed by Whitney putting this much sort of focus on it, on their friendship. And I think everyone is sensing that like Whitney is is not in her right mind right now. And that's, you know, another place where I was like, what is going on with her? She's so slow. She seems sluggish the way she's talking and all of that. And everyone pretty much agrees that that this is not an accurate take, that nobody would try and ruin their friendship. And Whitney is just losing at this moment. She's This is her big error, error of, the game. of the game. Everyone kind of laughs about this comment from Whitney, and nobody agrees that they would try and ruin the friendship between Whitney and Lisa. Heather ITMs that you're the one, Whitney, who's going to ruin your friendship with Lisa and you don't need my help to do it. And Whitney says, everyone is so jealous that Lisa and I are friends. And Lisa's like, Heather doesn't care that we're friends. And Lisa's really trying to diffuse the situation. And Whitney says like, you're just jealous to Heather that I'm not crawling up your ass. (laughs) Heather is basically like, this is absurd. I am over it. I am done with this dinner. I just want to go home. So kind of Whitney's behavior really winds up ending that evening. Another reason why that was the error of the game, in my Mm. opinion. Mm. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Kind of a cluster. So now they're going, they're heading back to the estate. Anger in a van has turned into sleeping in a van in a van as Whitney is passed out. I guess this uh, is more fuel to your rumors. Some of them are heading off to bed. Monica, Meredith, Whitney, and Angie are in the kitchen eating leftovers and drinking wine, which I noted they don't have time to eat at these dinners. Like no one wants to be caught chewing on camera. And when there's like so much going on and it takes so long to film the drama, they have to eat afterward. They have a discussion about who would win in a physical fight between Heather and Whitney. And Whitney informs us that she's trained in jujitsu and something else. And I didn't she, catch that either. Yeah. yeah. And she could break Heather's elbow in two seconds. And Monica's face play reaction to this was great. I really used to think of Candy Burris in Real Housewives of Atlanta as like the master face player out of all of the housewives in all the locations. But this episode, I've been so impressed with Monica and all of really all season. Um, I think she's giving Candy some competition here. Angie and Whitney go to bed. So it's just Monica and Meredith now. Meredith continues her IFI and she says she didn't really eat. She didn't have an appetite today. And Monica continues her motherly play and says she's proud of Meredith for sharing how she felt with everyone. And the motherly motherly play is working for Monica to help her bring her closer to another player because Meredith ITMs that she appreciates the friendship she's building with Monica. And if it weren't for Monica, she'd already be on a plane home. I thought that too. I agree that Monica, Monica did a nice job. She wasn't front and center this episode, but 
she, you know, she's sort of um, riding that wave of goodwill that she created in the last episode. Yeah. Meredith recaps the issues she's had with Angie and that Angie has never taken accountability and apologized. And they reflect that Meredith has been through this before and they call it deja poo. (laughs) Then they bring up something new regarding Angie. Monica recaps in her ITM that a few weeks ago they were chatting and Meredith mentioned that downtown Park City, Utah used to be run by the Greek mafia which then led to a discussion about Angie and how she could possibly be in the Greek mafia. It's really funny because Meredith just talked about gaslighting 101 and this all seems like such a long setup. Like it feels like Meredith has like cleverly sort of planted little seeds like that in Monica's mind just to sort of gaslight her into doing something. Yes. So then apparently both Meredith and Monica received DMs from a random Instagram account, but the only reason that Monica even checked hers is because Meredith asked her to look, did you get these same DMs that I did? And these DMs were about Angie and Sean which I'm like, oh, DMs and an Instagram from a random Instagram account. That sounds reliable, but totally. Monica says she got more messages from them, um, which I was like, did she message them? And that's why they're messaging her back, but I wasn't sure. And she says they sent documents about Angie and Sean's finances and bankruptcy. And she says, it's like the legal filings and numbers. Yeah, the case number. <laughs> Okay. Case number. So I was like, as a lawyer, maybe you could, you can tell us, um, is this something yes. you can like look up about someone? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. It's totally public. Um, all of that, you would just have to probably pay I'm trying to think, um, you may not have to, you may just have to pay to print the records, but you mm-hmm. should be able to look all that stuff up. Gotcha. There are services that'll do it for you and like search multiple, uh, sort of districts and whatnot, but yeah. Meredith checks out at this point. And she says, oh, she hasn't seen those other DMs, but you know, she's behind on her DMs and she doesn't know anything about it. So, so it does fishy. seem, yeah, it does so seem like she's fishy. trying to get Monica to do her dirty work here, but she doesn't want to be the one to like wield the sword. Uh, she also at that mo- moment just gives that little smile and that little hand gesture where she kind of puts her, her arm up and like her fingers are open and then they kind of curl up know. like, I don't know. And then she, she says her karma line again. Karma comes back to bite you as she sips her wine. She's she's being set up to be a villain um, in this edit. And it's quite possible that she may be based on <laughs> our scenes for next week. If you yes. want to tell me about those. Next week, we're celebrating Monica's birthday. We see them jet skiing. Monica With tells- a cape. She's Jesse <laughs> with a cape with on. A cape. <laughs> I don't think that's safe. I just I mean, don't like think it's like an easily wear... detachable one. I don't know. I just, I see that getting <laughs> caught in, in machinery and pulling her down. I just don't think it's a good idea. The safety officer has spoken. <laughs> Monica tells Lisa that Meredith, Meredith believes Angie is in the Greek mafia. And then we see there's going to be confrontation play resulting from this accusation. And Lisa is calling Meredith out for talking to others about the DMs about Angie. So that should be a lot of fun next time. 
Not as much fun as the fact that it is a pirate dinner. So we've had Pioneer Day and now Mm. we're going to have a pirate dinner. So I'm super jealous that I didn't get to go to a pirate dinner. And maybe we're (laughs) just going to have to arrange one because that's a fun theme. So who Um, is your MVP this episode? My MVP. So for stirring the pot at both lunch and dinner. Mm-hmm. For launching the Oklahoma land grab in a beautiful <laughs> estate that she booked for the trip and for taking multiple videos of sleeping housewives, Heather Gay gets my award for this week's MVE. Okay. Heather was my close second. I was definitely considering Heather. She Meredith a- was my close second. Okay. <laughs> well, then you can probably guess who mine is. Because of her IFI that she took through the entire episode, her bathtub confrontation play leading to anger in a van and more dinner party confrontation play. And because of her fire stoking and spreading information about Angie to other players. And because it looks like that will cause all of the drama in the next episode. Yes. Potentially setting her up as the villain, but also making her very valuable to the producers who need someone willing to stir things up. Meredith was my MVP. Awesome. I love it. Did you say what your error of the week was? I did not pick an error this week, um, but I'm going to, I'm going to, hop on the bandwagon and uh, go with what you picked with um, Whitney's Whitney's it felt like she was it was like a little bit all over the place and it was like pick one pick one thing that you're mad about and let's focus on that and it was like she's throwing this here she's throwing that here she's throwing it was just like a little bit like much yeah 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 or Whitney I don't know what's going on with her I worry about her you kind of do know what's going on with her because she's she's grieving she's grieving (laughs) she's grieving uh, you know yeah. Well, we're giving her the right. error, but we're going to give, we're going to let her, we're going to give her an error with the understanding that there's a reason for it. And, well, it uh, can be like in baseball. If there's an asterisk for doping on your breaking a record, <laughs> she's got, that's not what asterisk. I said. The reason was stop with your rumors. I'm just saying jet lag, alcohol, <laughs> sleeping pills, like that's kind of like doping and grief. <laughs> but I agree with that. I agree with all those things. I'm just saying, I think those may have all overwhelmed her system. So she was not playing at her elite athlete level. That's self. true. Yes, she was not. No. You're right. She was not in full form this episode, yeah. but we so. know that she will come back um, eventually, or at least we have faith that she will. And I have the same for myself because I feel like I was not at full form on this episode (laughs) as well, because it was just like, you did a really lovely job with your concise recapping sort of coming at the 10,000 foot view. And I felt like I was a little granular. Um, It was a tough episode with all the competition play. And I know that you are throwing your big dinner party for the housewives event (laughs) this weekend. (laughs) And that's a lot of stress. And so, you know, we were kind of throwing it together here at the last minute, but I pat, a, but I pat us on the back. I'm going to give uh, a little us monster play and say, we're doing I a great job. It. All right. Well, I guess, uh, we'll see you all next week for pirate dinner party time. Yes. And don't forget to check us out on Instagram because we're going to, or yeah, I'm going to post all the face plays. Uh, we post our apology ratings and you can find us on Instagram at 
Real Housewives of Bend. Of Bend, Oregon. Oh, is it? Okay. Of Bend, Oregon. Some, think, in, some, in some places there's an Oregon and some places there's no Oregon. Um, I think yeah, somebody I, somebody's <laughs> on Insta already from Bend, I guess. Maybe a different one. So Real so. Housewives of Bend, Oregon on Insta and Real Housewives of B1 or Real Housewives of Bend or something like that on TikTok. We'll uh, and that that's we that's where better, we are. And as we get more savvy at social media. As we get more savvy. I know when you, when you mentioned like DMing on Instagram, I was like, Jesus, I can't even post a story on Instagram without <laughs> messing that up. How do you even like manage to contact a human being? <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for your excellent analysis this week. And I will, um, yeah, I'll see you at the Real Housewives of Bend party. Oh, I can't wait. Uh, in a I'm few gonna, days. I'm going to bring it. I'm going to bring some confrontation play. I'm going to get upset that you didn't give me the right seat at the at the dinner table something i'll come up with something something yeah well i'm gonna have an ifi when i use your instapot and blow myself up <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> <laughs>